Daniel chapter 7, we're going to be there at verse 1. I encourage you to follow along in your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one right in front of you. Uh, we try to keep Bibles there in front of the pews so you can uh, follow along, because it's not about what I say, it's about what the Word of God says. You can follow along, you don't have to take my word for it. The Bible's going to show you right there what, what it has to say about the Antichrist. Now, I'm going to try to help you to understand some of this stuff just from uh, studying it and working it out now. If you want to study the, this stuff yourself, this is an excellent book. It's called The Book of Daniel by Reverend Clarence Larkin. Any book that's by Clarence Larkin, it's great. It's great. The two greatest influences on my Christian uh, study of the Bible have been Clarence Larkin and Dr. Peter, Peter S. Ruckman. Those two, Dr. Ruckman and Dr. Larkin. Those are the two that have uh, done so much for me in my study of the Word of God. This book here is good because it's got charts. If you go through here, there's charts of what he's talking about. He gives you pictures. It's a really good book. You can find this book. You can find this book for free online because it's out of. Uh, it's written back in 1920, so it's out of uh, copyrights. Uh, so you can go online and they got it. You can find it free, a PDF of it, if you want to look through it yourself. But almost all his books are PDF free online if you want to find them. But I like. I don't like online. I don't like looking at a computer screen. I like to take something and open it up. And these little things called pages, Gibson. See that? That's called. That, that comes from paper. And I like to have that in my hand because it has a certain feel about it. I don't like that computer screen looking at me and listening to me and knowing what I'm doing. And then it, not that I'm doing things naughty, but I don't like it anyway. I got enough people watching, watching me with a microscope. I don't need a computer doing the same thing or a phone. Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7. So let's continue our study of the Antichrist. Daniel chapter 7 verse 1. In the first year of Belshazzar, king of Babylon, Daniel had a dream and visions of his head upon his bed. Then he wrote the dream and told the sum of the matters. Now, let's get the context of what's going on here. Israel had disobeyed God. God warned them and warned them and warned them. And God finally said, I'm going to drive you out of my land. I'm sick of you. You're acting just like the people I drove out before. So he takes Israel. He brings in Nebuchadnezzar. He comes from Babylon. He comes in and he destroys Jerusalem. He destroys the temple. He destroys the walls. He destroys the city. He, he kills a lot of people. And some of the people he took back as captives back to Babylon. Babylon is modern day, like what we call modern day Iraq. So he takes it back to Babylon, and, and, and Nebuchadnezzar takes them back to Babylon. Some of the ones he takes back is Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Those are some of the, the, the uh, Israel, Israelis he takes back. So the Jews he takes back, he, he has a dream, and we're going to talk about that. Well, he has a dream. Daniel interprets a dream for him. And then when Daniel lays down, Daniel eventually is laying down, and it's in the first year of Belshazzar, when Belshazzar takes over for Nebuchadnezzar, he has a dream also, and this dream's given to him by God. It's a vision, a dream. Verse 2, Daniel spake and said, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of the heaven strove upon the great sea. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. And I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth, and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. And behold, another beast, a second, like to a bear, and it raised up itself on one side, and it had three ribs in the mouth of it, between the teeth of it. And they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. After this I beheld, and lo, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast had also four heads, and dominion was given to it. Verse 7, After this I saw in the night visions, and behold, a fourth beast, 
dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly, and it had great iron teeth. It devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it. And it was diverse from all the beasts that were before it, and it had ten horns. So this is some weird-looking beast. It has ten horns on it. He doesn't even describe it. He just says it's dreadful and terrible and strong exceedingly. It has iron teeth and ten horns. Look at verse 8. And I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there was three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes, like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. Brothers and sisters, that's a prophecy, and we're going to study this together. That's a prophecy, and the first prophecy that's shown to be of the Antichrist. That's the Antichrist rising up. And we're going to go back and I'm going to explain what all this means. And the Bible itself is going to explain what all this means. But before we do that, we better go to prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit will come, lead us, and guide us, and direct us into all truth, Lord God. I pray, Father, you'd hide me behind the cross, Lord God. I pray, Father, that you'd open up the ears of these people, Lord, that they can hear and they can understand, Lord God. And Father, I pray a hedge of protection around every heart in here, Lord God. And Father, I pray... There's somebody underneath the sound of my voice, Lord, that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Maybe they couldn't say for sure tonight if they were to pass away, Lord God, if they were to die, if they would go to heaven or hell, Lord God. And I pray, Father, as we give an invitation at the end of this service, Lord, that they come down and get saved and take Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Father, I thank you for the grace and mercy you give us, Lord, and I thank you for answering prayers for us, Father. In Jesus Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. All right, back up in verse 4. So let's, let's go back and let's look at this. So this is the first prophecy you're going to find of the little horn. The little horn is speaking great things. That would be the Antichrist. So what you, when you study this out, because you have to go back to Daniel 2 to study this out. We're not going to take that much time this morning to do it because it would take till 2 o'clock and y'all would be complaining. And I would be too because my stomach would be growling. But in Daniel chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And he has this dream. And nobody can interpret this dream. And it's a dream of this great statue. And this great statue has got a golden head. It's got silver arms. It's got brass belly. It's got iron legs and iron and clay uh, toes at the end of it. It's this big old statue. And he has this dream. And in this dream, this big statue, as you can tell, it's gold and silver and brass. It gets weaker and weaker metal. Gold and silver. Weaker as far as monetary value. So... Precious and less precious and less precious. And then at the end, there's these ten toes that come out, and they're iron and clay mixed. And Nebuchadnezzar says, I've seen this great rock come down. It comes down, and it smashes the toes, and all the statue just turns into dust, and it floats away. And Daniel shows up, and Daniel says, What God has shown you, Nebuchadnezzar, is all the kingdoms to come. That gold is you, Nebuchadnezzar. That gold head is you. You are the head. You're the start. You're the great kingdom. And then the silver, the arms, that's going to be Media and Persia. The leg, the brass uh, belly, that's going to be the Greek empire. And then the last one, the, the two legs of the, Ro the Roman empire. The, le the west uh, would be the, the right leg. The eastern leg of the Roman empire would be the left leg. And then the two toes is that last kingdom. And then Daniel says, that rock, that's Jesus Christ. Daniel didn't call him Jesus Christ, but he says, that's God come back to set up his kingdom, and all of them are going to be destroyed. Of course, we know that rock is Jesus Christ. Come back, the millennial kingdom. So he, God shows it to Nebuchadnezzar in a dream as a statue. It's great, and then it gets a little weaker, a little weaker. When God shows up to Daniel and gives it to Daniel, God sees the kingdoms of the world as wild beasts. 
Seeking whom they can devour. That, that's what, what God shows him like. So in verse 4, he says, The first was like a lion and had eagle's wings. This would represent Babylon. And I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. Now that last part of verse 4, Nebuchadnezzar went insane because he, he took credit for what God had done. Nebuchadnezzar went insane because God made him go insane. And then Nebuchadnezzar got his sanity back, got his kingdom back, and he said, praise God. He's the high God. Daniel's God is the high God. And that's kind of what probably is going on there at the end of verse 4. It says he had feet as a man, and a man's heart was given to it. He made stand. That's probably what that's referencing to. So you got a lion. And then verse 5, he says, and behold, another beast, a second like to a bear. That bear represents the Medes and the Persians. So what you're reading here, brothers and sisters, you've got to grab a hold of this because it's so easy just to read through this. And you, maybe you're in early in the morning, you're doing your Bible reading, you got your cup of coffee, you read through this, you yawn, you get up, you go to work. What you just read is prophecy. When Daniel is getting this and Daniel is writing this, the Medes and the Persians have not conquered Babylon yet. That's, that, that hadn't happened. And as a matter of fact, when you get down here to the leopard, which is going to represent Alexander the Great, that was laughable that this little, little island called Greece could conquer the known world. But they did through a man named Alexander the Great. And when Alexander the Great came in conquering Israel, he was shown the book of Daniel. He was shown the book of Daniel. He said, look, here you are in the book of Daniel. And because of that, Alexander the Great spared Jerusalem. And he went on as far as to say, look at verse 6. After this I beheld a low, a, another like a leopard, which had upon the back of it four wings of a fowl. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. It says dominion was given to that leopard. He went on to say that God told me in a dream that he said to rise up and conquer, I'm going to give you dominion. That's the very words of Alexander the Great. What happened to Alexander the Great? Well, he got drunk. He went to a drunken stupor. He died about age 32, and guess what happened? His kingdom was broken into four kingdoms. Verse 6, he had four wings of a fowl, and the beast had also four heads. He, that's what happened. That's exactly the prophecy you're reading. This stuff is so strong, guys, that scholars, there's some liberal scholars, the ones you would see on A&E and Discovery Channel, those scholars, those idiots you get on there, they'll come in here and they'll say the book of Daniel was written way later. <laughs> They'll say the book of Daniel was written right before Jesus Christ came. You know why they say that? Because this stuff is so accurate and so right on the money that it, it's either got to be prophecy or it's got to be written afterwards. How does God tell you that he's going to be God? He said, I'm going to show you I'm God in the book of Isaiah because he said, I'm going to show you what's going to happen before it happens. That's how you know he's God. That's what he says in Isaiah. So back up in verse 5 with that bear. That bear represents the Medes and the Persians. It raised itself up on one side. The Persian side was stronger than the Media side. And it had three ribs in its mouth. There was a coalition of three countries that went against Medes and the Persians, and he destroyed them. The Medes and the Persians destroyed them. And, it, and it, of it between the teeth of it, and they said thus unto it, Arise, devour much flesh. One of the, one of the biggest armies of all time was the Medes and the Persians. They, had just, they would just swarm countries. with their, just, They would just, just kill people just by literally, you couldn't fight them off because it was like a swarm of, of like we'd call it today fire ants. They were just so amazing. So many people that they sent, and just millions of, 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 of soldiers. And then verse 6, I explained to that, that's Grecian. That'd be the Greek Empire. But we're, we're focusing on the 7th. So what God has given Daniel is he, these are world empires. 
that going to rule the known world, which of course first was Babylon, then it was the Medes and the Persians, then it's going to be Greece, and then the, the seventh one is going to be the Roman Empire as it rises up. And though, the, the Roman Empire is the last great world empire. We think America is, but we're not. We're not controlling China. We're not controlling Russia. They do what they want to do. Nobody's controlling the whole world right now. Amen? These countries you're reading here, God's prophesying about, they were, they were controlled by the whole, they controlled the whole world. They had one king that controlled the whole world. That's what you have going on here. And after this, verse 7, I saw in the night visions, behold, a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and strong, exceedingly had great iron teeth. It devoured and break in pieces and stamped the residue with the feet of it and was diverse from all the beasts that were before it and had ten horns. So this, is going, this kingdom is going to have a ten horns at the end. Verse 8, And I considered the horns, here we go, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there was three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. Now we're going to talk about that later on, but that's, that has to do with that the Antichrist is going to take care of three kings and he's going to take their place. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of a man, and a mouth speaking great things. A horn in the Bible, the horn in the Bible represents power. It represents power, being in power. But it calls him a little horn. What's interesting about that is that being called, it said another little horn came up. What's interesting about that is all the world dictators, when you get to looking at them, they're all little bitty men. Napoleon was little bitty. Napoleon was like five foot six. Hitler, Hitler was five eight. Mussolini was. 5'7". Stalin was 5'4". So what does that tell you? That tells you, watch out for those little guys. <laughs> Jake don't have nothing to worry about. Amen, bro. We don't have to worry about you taking over the world. <clears throat> little horn, a little horn. Now that, that, that could be referring to his physical height. So let's get, keep on going verse 9. So Daniel says, I, he, read, he's, he dreamed all this. I beheld till the thrones were cast down, all those thrones of these kingdoms. And the Ancient of Days did sit, whose garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head like the pure wool. You ever look over in England and see those judges over in England? They, have the, they always wear those white wigs. And even in the first Ameri in Americas, when we first, they had the white wig. They got that from England. Where that comes from is right here. A judge has white hair. He's got, he's got this is a judge. There's going to be a judgment. The hair of his head like the pure wool. That's why they wore that. That all comes from the Bible. His throne was like the fiery flame, and his wheels as burning fire. That should set off some alarms. Why? Because just about, I don't know, how many weeks ago, six weeks ago, we studied on those wheels. Remember that? There they are, showing back up again. The fiery flame and his wheels as burning fire. Verse 10, a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. Thousand thousands ministered unto him. That's us. And 10,000 times 10,000 stood before him. That's the lost. The judgment was set and the books were opened. That's a great white throne judgment. Revelation chapter 20. The end of Revelation chapter 20. Go home and read it. That's a great white throne judgment. Verse 11. And I beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn spake, I beheld even till the beast was slain and his body destroyed and given to the burning flame. That's the Antichrist being destroyed. Because of what the Antichrist says... It's what he's going to get thrown into hell for it, and that happens in Revelation 19.20, and we'll get to that. But look at verse 12. As concerning the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. This is all from verses 12 through 14. That's all millennial kingdom. This is Jesus Christ sitting on a throne in Jerusalem ruling the whole world. These other dictators, they ruled the world and they destroyed it. When Christ comes, he's going to rule the world and it's going to be peace like the world's never known. 
And the Bible says, and believe this or not, that we're going to rule with him as kings and priests. And that's what he's talking about. As concerned to the rest of the beasts, those world uh, kingdoms, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. We know that to be about a thousand years. I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, that's Jesus Christ, came with the clouds of heaven. And, came, and we just read that in Sunday school, that he left with the clouds of heaven, he's going to come back with the clouds of heaven. And came to the Ancient of Days, that'd be God the Father, they brought him near before him, and there was given to him dominion, that guy, the Son of Man, Jesus Christ, and glory and a kingdom that all, A-L-L, all people, nations, and languages should serve him. Jesus Christ, his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. His kingdom, that, wi that which shall not be destroyed. Hey, he's the man, <laughs> Jesus Christ. And I love it, I love it, I love it. I can't wait for Jesus Christ to come back. And those people are like, I didn't vote for him. It don't matter if you voted for him or not. He's coming in. He's ruled the rod of iron. Well, I'm a Democrat and I don't like it. Or I'm a Republican and I don't like it. He don't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat. He don't matter if you're a communist or a socialist. He don't matter what you are. He is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And it's his way or the highway. And I think I'll take his way. Because it says all people, nations, and languages. So let's go on to verse 15. Now we're going to get the interpretation. That's what we're waiting for. I, Daniel was grieved in my spirit in the midst of my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. He don't, know, he don't know what he just seen. I came near unto one of them that stood by and asked him the truth of all this. So evidently there was an angel standing by, and he said, what does this mean? So he's still in his vision, and he says, what does this mean? So he told me and made me know the interpretation of the things. Guys, I can't encourage you enough that whenever you're up, Whenever you're following the Bible or you're reading your Bible and you don't understand what it's saying, just keep on reading. Because a lot of times, it'll, it'll interpret itself, especially in these prophecies. These, verse 17, these great beasts, which are four, are four kings which shall rise out of the earth. All right, there it is. There's interpretation. So those four beasts you just read, a lion, a bear, a leopard, and, a, and that fourth beast, those four, that's going to be like a type of kings that are rising up which shall rise out of the earth, verse 17, verse 18. But the saints of the Most High, the Jewish tribulation saints, shall take the kingdom and possess the kingdom forever, even forever and ever. Amen. The kingdom, Christ, when he gives us that kingdom, and all the other saints that go through the tribulation period, when he gives us that kingdom, it's going to last forever and ever, guys. I, I, I can't wait. I can't wait for Jesus Christ to come back and clean up this mess. And he will, because it's not going to get any better. Right? It's not getting better. It's not going to get better. But it gets better for a Christian. Amen. Amen. That's what we're looking. That's, what, that's our great hope. Jesus Christ. Verse 19. Then I would know, and then Daniel says, then I would know the truth of the fourth beast. So he, he, he really doesn't care about those other beasts. That fourth beast really caught his attention. Then I would know the truth of the fourth beast, which was diverse from all the others, exceeding dreadful, whose teeth were of iron and his nails of brass, which devoured, breaking pieces and stamped the residue with his feet. So this last kingdom is going to be controlling the whole world. It's going to, be, it's going to destroy all those other kingdoms. Verse 20. And of the ten horns that were in his head, and of the other which came up, and before whom three fell. So three of those horns fall, even of that horn that horn, the Antichrist, that had eyes and a mouth that spake very great things, whose look was more stout than his fellows. So the Antichrist is going to have a stout look. I don't know what, 
exactly what that means. You can interpret it how you want to interpret it, but the Bible calls it a stout look. If he's going to look stern, if he's going to look mean, if he's going to look tough, I don't know what that means, but there it is right there. It says he's going to have a look that's more stout than his fellows. Verse 21, I beheld and the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. So whenever the Antichrist rises up, he's going to go against the Jewish tribulation saints and those Jews are here, and he's going to try to make war with them. He is going to make war. He's going to just try to destroy every one of them. He's going to try to kill every one of them. Where are we going to be? We're going to be raptured out of here. Yeah. Amen. We're going to be up in heaven. We're going to be at the great, we're going to be at Jesus Christ, the judgment seat of Jesus Christ. Getting rewards. Some of us are going to be losing rewards. Some of us are going to be getting rewards. We're going to be looking for that crown, but we're going to be at the judgment seat of Christ as the world, the wrath of God is being poured out on the, world, on the world and on the Antichrist. The Antichrist is trying to kill anybody who won't worship him and kill those Jewish tribulation saints or anybody else who takes Jesus Christ after the church is raptured out. They've made, they've made books and books and books out of that. What's those books called? The Left Behind series, a whole series of books that talks about, they've wrote about all that. The truth is, we're going to be long gone. See ya. The, the Bible says there's going to come a time where Jesus Christ comes down the clouds and then there'll be a shout and there'll be a trump and there'll be a come up hither and then the, the church will go up, the dead in Christ will rise first and then we who are alive will be changed in a moment in a twinkle of eye and then we'll go up to be with Jesus Christ forevermore. Goodbye, so long, see ya, sayonara, any other language you can think of, I'm out of here. And you can have my truck, my car, my house, my taxes, all the bills. I'll leave the electricity bill laying there on the counter for you to pay for me. And I appreciate you. Do whatever you want to with it. Verse 22, until the Ancient of Days came and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. There he is, Ancient of Days, given to the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom, the millennial kingdom. So there's a kingdom coming, and it's going to be run by Jesus Christ, and that's what we're waiting on. And that's the one that's going to destroy all these other kingdoms. Thus he said, verse 23, thus he said, The fourth beast shall be the fourth kingdom upon the earth, which shall be diverse from all kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, and shall tread it down and break it in pieces. So this last kingdom that we're looking for, and you're starting to see it in the world today, is a one world government. And you're seeing these prophecies, and we'll, we'll, we'll get deeper into this next Sunday, but you're seeing these prophecies where there's a one-world government starting to rise up. He's going to control the whole earth. That's why uh, you'll, you've seen this start back up in the 40s and 50s where when we came out of World War II, they, after the League of Nations, they created the United Nations. That's the most horrible thing America could ever be involved in is the United Nations. You've got all these little socialists and communists and Islamic nations telling us what to do. And how we're going to do it. And we're trying to follow them and follow what they have to say. And we try to, and there's sometimes that the United Nations tries to tell us what to do. As American citizens. <laughs> when all this COVID stuff started, you've seen it. The whole world got together and the whole world decided we needed to shut everything down. We needed to do this and we needed to do that. We needed, that's, this, that's the rise of this one world government. This fourth kingdom that's coming up, guys. That's it. That's the rise of this kingdom. We're seeing it. You're seeing it in, the, in, this, in, in society where we're trying to go cashless. They're trying to put everything up on computers. They're trying to, they're trying to tell you. Remember when a, a year ago they said, we don't have any change. Don't use change. Try to use your debit card. Try to do all that. You remember that? No, there's no change anywhere. You know, and I'm walking around with pockets full of change I can't get rid of. We don't have any change. So we want, remember that? that? They're trying to get us to go cashless. They're trying to get us to go to Bitcoin, Dogcoin, 
mama's coin, whatever kind of coin you can find that's electronic that you don't, they don't want you carrying cash around anymore. Why? Because they want to be able to put it up on a computer where they can control you. Why would they want to do that? Because there's a man coming that's going to say, you're not going to buy or you're not going to sell unless I put my mark on you and in you. And we'll get to that, Lord willing, maybe next Sunday. I hope it's not next Sunday. I hope we get raptured out of here. But the point is, is that the whole earth's going to be controlled by this beast. That's why we teach that. That's why we preach that. That's why, and you'll hear world dictators say, there's a new world order. W. Bush's dad said that, a new world order. You hear it even more. You say, as we, do, we knew with this COVID stuff, they're saying now, I've said COVID, what, two or three times? I probably already got kicked off Facebook. But uh, whenever I say COVID, I get kicked off Facebook. But when they, say, they talk about COVID, they're saying we need to reset. We need a great reset. And there's lots of conspiracy theories that a lot of this COVID was put out there just to try to wipe as many people off this planet. Get rid of all the people they don't like so they can control everything. They're controlling you, right? Guys, we're living in America and they were arresting preachers for preaching in America. They were arresting preachers for having church in America. This is America and they were arresting a pastor for having church service. That's the country we're living in. And our governor, you know, God bless him, said, you know, we're not going to shut down the churches. They have a right to do those things. You don't give me that right, Governor Abbott. God gave me that right. I don't care what you think or not. I'm going to show up for church. But it's the whole idea we're living in America, the land of the free, the home of the brave. And they're telling us, don't go to church. And most people said, okay, I'll stay here. I was witnessing to a Jehovah's Witness. So, you know, that was probably pretty exciting. I behaved. I didn't say anything. But this Jehovah's Witness, she was telling me, I said, what church do you go to? I could tell, I could tell. What church do you go to? Uh, she kind of got sheepish. Uh, you remember that? She kind of got sheepish. She said, I go to the Kingdom Hall. I was like, oh. I didn't say nothing. I was behaving myself. But I, 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 kept, I kept letting her talk. And she said, yeah, we're not having service tonight. We're still doing Zoom. So they're still doing Zoom services. They're so scared of COVID and everything, they're still doing Zoom services. Praise the Lord. If there's any silver lining, the Jehovah's Witnesses are not going out knocking anymore. And they're not at their, the Kingdom Hell Hall um, promoting the devil. Amen. There's a silver lining in all that. The point is, they're scared. Why are we not that scared about it? We take it serious. Amen. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to make light of COVID. I had it. it almost, I feel like it almost killed me. I'm not making light of it. Please do not. I'm not making light of anybody who takes a vaccine. You know, I, but I, what, I'm, what I'm taking, what I'm being serious about, though, is the liberty we have has been took away from us. And I'm living in America. I don't live over here in China. I don't expect my government to come tell me not to go to church and not to do this. And you better take that. That's not the United States government. That's not what we were raised on. That's not the Constitution. That's not the, the, the freedom of, of liberty we have in America. And the reason we have that freedom of liberty in America is because it was written by men that believed this book. Yeah. And there's, there's one thing that this book teaches. It's the liberty we have in Jesus Christ. I have a liberty to, if I don't want to take a vaccine or if I want to get sick and die of some disease, that's my liberty. That's my right. If I want to be stupid, it's my right. If you want to be a Jehovah's Witness and go to Jehovah's Witness Church, in America you have that right. Praise the Lord. No, I'm praising the Lord Jesus Christ because people have a right to choose what they want to choose. But it's not getting that way. You're seeing it change, guys, right? 
You see, and the liberty be took away from us, it slowly be took away from us. And there, what scares me is that how many people didn't want to fight back? How many preachers I talked to, they're like, well, yeah, we're still not having church. I'm like, really? Well, I want to have church, but, you know, I just don't think, that, I don't think the government wants us to do that. I'm like, who cares what the, you don't think the government wants? Why do you care what the government, the government, is the government now the father? You, go, you pray to the government? Can I have church today, please? But well, that's what's happening, right? Let's send you out the $1,700 check. Let's send you out another $1,700 check. Let's, in other words, let's get you to rely on the government. You don't pray to the Father anymore for your needs. The government will provide your needs. That's classic socialism. One world government. Verse 24. And the ten horns out of this kingdom are ten kings. There's the interpretation. So those ten horns, the angel tells Daniel, those represent ten kings. So there's going to be, ten, in this end government, there's going to be ten world leaders. And I'm, I'm telling you, after studying this for 25 years and hearing other pastors talk about these ten world leaders, you can't figure them out. I don't think you can figure them out. Now, somebody might tell you, yeah, it's going to be so-and-so, so-and-so, so-and-so. But as soon as you, you name them off, two of them disappear, two other rise up. It's going to be, it's going to, I think it's going to be a secret society type of thing. Like the Bilderberg Group, the Trilateral Commission. Uh, if you want to go to the, the Illuminati, whatever you want. To say, I think it's going to be a secret society, and they're ruling the world, and nobody even knows who these ten men are. I believe that. But these ten are ten kings that shall rise, and another shall rise after them. And he shall be diverse from the first, and he shall subdue three kings. So that Antichrist is going to rise at the end, and he's going to knock out three of them. There's going to evidently be three of them he don't like, or he don't like what they're doing. He's going to take them out. The Antichrist is going to take them out. So that's kind of something to look for there. Verse 25, and he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand until a time and a time's and a dividing of a time. So when the Antichrist comes in, according to Revelation, he's going to come in. And Revelation, what you'll see in Revelation is 42 months, 42 months, 1,260 days, 42 months, 42 months. 42 months is three and a half years. So the Antichrist is going to rule this world like a dictator for three and a half years. That's 1,260 days or 42 months. And that right there at the end of verse 25 says, Until a time, one, and times two, one plus two, and the dividing of time, half a time. That's three, three and a half years. So the Antichrist, there's another prophecy. The Antichrist is going to rule this world. When he brings in this world system of making people take the mark of the beast and worshiping the image of the beast, and I'm going to show you all that probably next Sunday. When he does all that, that's when it all breaks loose, and it's going to be for like three and a half years. One of the things he's going to do in the middle of verse 25, he's going to change times and think to change times and laws. What's interesting about that is changing times and laws, that sounds a lot like Islam. Because when Islam comes in, it takes over any country, they, br they bring in the Sharia law. Now, the Shari some of y'all don't know what the Sharia law is. And I'm going to, this is the thing called Sharia law for dummies. See, that's, that's for me. It said dummy, that's me. I want to know what the Sharia law means. And what, evidently what happened was the leader of the Islam Muslims in America, he said the Constitution of America and Sharia law, they go hand in hand. There's no disagreement. I, I'm not lying. This is what that guy said. If you know anything about the Sharia law, you'll know. If you, one of the Sharia laws, I'm going to read you, and I've got a whole list of it. I'm not going to take the time to read all of it. Blasphemy of Islam, Muslim, Sharia, Quran, or Hadith is punishable by fines, imprisonment, flogging, amputation, or beheading. Use of derogatory remarks about Muhammad is punished with death. 
That's why you see like that. Over in France, you had this real liberal guy. He draws a cartoon of Muhammad. And when he got through drawing that cartoon of Muhammad, they went and cut his head off. You can't draw. You can't. That's why you, you ever wonder why you turn on Discovery Channel and you don't ever see them talking about Muhammad? They'll talk about Jesus and Mary and they'll talk about, and, but they'll never talk about Muhammad. They never have a story. Don't you want to know more about Muhammad? If he's such a great religion, they're afraid to put anything on there. Why? Because if they mess it up, they're going to come blow them up. That's the Sharia law in, in, in a nutshell. I'll put this down here if anybody's curious about the Sharia law. Don't believe what any idiot says. It doesn't go together. The Sharia law is the Muslims coming in and taking away your rights. So evidently this, there's a chance that this Antichrist could be associated with the Muslims, with Islam. There's a real good chance. In America today, guys, in America today, that's what they're trying to do. Change times and laws everywhere you look. Everywhere you look. That's what they're trying to do. They're trying to change times and laws. They don't like Columbus Day. Let's get rid of Columbus Day. What's wrong with Columbus Day? Well, he was an oppressor and he was a racist. Had a guy call me up at work and uh, from work, and he's like, "Do we work tomorrow?" I'm like, "Was Columbus white?" He said, "Yeah." I said, "Well, that answers your question. <laughs> we'll be there." See, Brother Keegan, that's kind of that's kind of harsh, isn't it? Is it the truth? My Lord said, "The truth shall set you free." I'm just telling you the truth. So you had the BLM movement, the Black Lives Matter, and. They want to come in. They want to change everything. They want to change the flag. They want to change the color of the flag. They want to change what you do. They want to change what you sing. They want to change the national anthem. You have the LBGTQQQ me by me movement come in, and they want to change. They want to change everything they can about how you look and how you dress and how people talk. And now you can't say he, they, them. You got to say me, she, we, or whatever. They change everything. They're changing people's words. Uh, what's that? Uh, Ruth Ginsburg, the, the one that they worship, the female that was on the uh, Supreme Court. They changed her words. They had, she had said that abortion, a woman has a right to have, an, a, have her own a right to her own body. Well, they changed that. And they said not a woman is he or they. They have a right because they don't want because a he a man can have a baby. So they want to change all that. So what you're seeing, guys, in this antichrist movement that's making you go crazy and go, man, these people are absolutely nuts because that's the antichrist. And he's coming in, he's going to change times and laws. Get ready for it. And you're seeing it happen. That's why preachers like me get up and say, Jesus Christ is coming back. So, when does that preacher say that? Well, because I see it in my Bible and I look at it on my TV screen, I'm like, uh, he's coming. Lastly, and finally, I want to point out there in verse 25, it says, He spake great words against the Most High. So, the Antichrist is going to be a great orator. See there, it's all through here. Verse 8, verse 8. The little horn before whom there were three of the first horns. It says at the end of verse 8, he had a mouth speaking great things. Verse 11. And beheld then because of the voice of the great words which the horn speak. Verse 20. He had a mouth that spake very great things. So this Antichrist, the main characteristic of the Antichrist is a great orator. If you know anything about Hitler, Hitler did what he did with his mouth. Man, you go back and watch those videos, it'd be, it looked like tens of thousands of the Germans that are all lined up and everything. He'd be out there, rah, 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 and he'd just be like that, and they'd be like, hi, 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 just going crazy. And they said when Hitler would get up and start speaking, he says, like a demon taking over him. Well, yeah, I thought it was. That demon killed about six million Jews. Do you realize that Hitler killed six million Jews and never fired a bullet? 
Did it with this right here. With the only bullet supposedly Hitler ever fired was at his own head when he committed suicide. Guys, your words are powerful. And we forget that. Your words to your kids are powerful. When you talk to your kids, you need to be careful what you say. Make sure you're saying the right thing. Say, I love you. I care for you. You know, you don't, want, you don't ever want to tell your kids you're stupid. You're dumb. Don't ever talk like that to your kids. Your words are powerful. Your words can bring a blessing or they can bring a curse. And I'm going to tell you something you need to be warned about this morning as we close. Every word you say, you're going to answer to God for. Look at Matthew 12. Let's close there. Um, people wondered about, they called Obama, they called Obama the post-turtle. They called Obama, President Obama, when he was in office, they called him the post-turtle. Say, well, Brother Keegan, what's a post-turtle? Well, a post-turtle is described as this. A post-turtle is when you're driving down the highway, down in the old country road, and you, look, you drive by a, a country fence, and you see a post there, and you see a turtle sitting on top of a post, and you drive by, and you see a post up there, and you're like, how did that turtle get up there? You didn't see how, who put him up there, and you don't know how he got up there. That's Obama. Nobody knows, how did Obama get in there? Who put him in there, and how did he get in there? Well, I know the answer to that. The answer to that is because he's a great orator. That man can speak. Now, you can say what you want to say about Obama, but he can't. I guarantee you, if you didn't know who Obama was, and I brought him in this, you'd say, Brother Keegan, that's the greatest preacher you ever brought in here. Because he can, he can speak, he can preach, he can talk. He was so, Obama was so amazing. When he would go before the black caucus, when he'd, you know, basically when he's talking to a bunch of other black people, he would talk Ebonics. He would talk in, in, in black speech. And the, in the United States media, they would take his speech and they would clean it up for him. <laughs> They'd clean it up to make him sound more presidential. But he, he, wasn't, he was doing it on purpose. That's how great a speaker was. He could change when he talked to somebody, how he could direct his speech. To, he was amazing that way. That's the, that's the Antichrist. That's how the Antichrist is going to come in, guys. Matthew chapter 12, verse, uh, look at verse 36. We're going to close. We're, we're closing right now. But I say unto you, this is Jesus Christ now. These are the, if you have a red letter edition, these words are in red. Verse 36, Matthew 12, 36. But I say unto you, that every, E-V-E-R-Y, every idle word, not just words you're saying, with, you know, you're thinking about, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. And that should scare you. He goes on to say, for by thy words thou shalt be justified, and hey, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. That's pretty scary. Knowing how we live our if you somebody like me who has a big mouth and runs it all the time, that's real scary. How are your words going to justify you? This is how your words will justify you. I take Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. How are your words going to condemn you? I don't need Jesus Christ. Your words are powerful. And if you've never with a word, with an audible voice, through prayer, ask Jesus Christ to save you. Why not today? The time is short. The devil's rising up. The Antichrist, this world's not going to get any better. Why don't you come with me and let's go to a better world, to a better heaven. Jesus Christ loves you. He said, I go to prepare a place for you in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. He's coming back. He's just not coming back to clean this world. He's coming back to get me and everybody who's a saved Christian. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. 
If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care. Upon him